you have your Bible with you and like to follow along, open it to the book of James, chapter 5. The words will also be on your screen as we read together verses 13 through 20. Hear God's word to us today. If anyone among you, uh, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And verse 19 and 20, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember when remember this, whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And, the God, and God's people said, amen and amen. Dr. Glenn Henson was one of my seminary professors at the Baptist Seminary here in Richmond back in the mid and late 90s while I was there. And um, one of my favorite professors, professor of Christian spirituality and uh, Christian history, he started each class with 10 minutes of silence. And at the beginning, when I was a first-year student, 10 minutes. I mean, it seemed like an eternity. And at the end of the semester, we were longing for more. Dr. Henson helped us to understand there are times when we need to be still and listen to God speak to us. He is quoted as saying that the Christian life is like a table. The legs that uphold the Christian life in this table are prayer, study, worship, and service. Prayer, study, worship, and service. Dr. Henson said, if you remove one of the legs of the table, the Christian life becomes unstable and cannot support much weight. Study, prayer, worship, and service are the means through which God can work and does work. And then he writes, prayer in particular transforms our character and trains the, the soul to listen to God. Prayer is a means through which God empowers us to live as Christians. Prayer is the means through which God empowers us to live as Christians. Without prayer, the table of the Christian life will not be able to bear the weight that we experience. Dr. Henson also introduced us to a lot of early church writers, the mothers and fathers of our faith, and also some of the more contemporary spiritual writers, one of which was Thomas Merton. Thomas spent much of his life in a a monastery in Kentucky called Gethsemane. Some of you are familiar with that. Some have even pilgrim, made pilgrimage to Gethsemane. People, uh, people can do that. You might be interested. I've never done it, but would love to do that someday. Merton writes uh, about prayer. 
In prayer, we discover what we already have. This is amazing, this, this thought process. In prayer, we discover what we already have. You start where you are, and you deepen what you already have. And you realize that you are already there. We already have everything, but we don't know it, and we don't experience it. He writes, everything has been given to us in Christ. All we need to do is to experience what we already possess. In other words, to develop the gift of the Holy Spirit in prayer that we already have within us. We just have to use it. As Christians and as a community, we need to experience that which we already possess, the ability to listen to and to talk with the creator of the entire universe. The God who said, let there be light and there was light, knows your voice and my voice and, and loves you and me as if there were no other and loves us all just the same. God loves to hear from us. My dad loves to hear from me when I call. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I get busy and I don't call as often as I should. My dad struggles with depression. And I know that there are times when I call my dad that it, it lifts his spirit. My dad loves to hear from me. Our Heavenly Father loves to hear from us and longs to be in fellowship with us. This communication is simply the gift of prayer. Talking to our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, as Jesus refers to God. I believe there is powerful, there is, there's power in prayer, that prayer is a profound gift that we've been given, and we need to tap into that which has been instilled within us. I believe prayer changes things. Often, prayer changes me. May we experience the gift we already possess, the power of prayer. The hymn writer says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. This last part of the book of James is um, helping to give some practical wisdom and application to the people in the first century who he wrote to, the Jewish Christians that were scattered among the Roman Empire. And in this latter part of chapter 5, he leaves us with some words about prayer. Yes, in early in the book, he encouraged people who experienced trial and temptation and persecution. Yes, he teaches that without faith, uh, works are useless, that uh, faith without works is dead, that it's a both and, not an either or. Uh, yes, Jesus warns us about showing favoritism and keep, to keep our words and emotions in check. And yes, there are stern words to those who are outside of the church who are exploiting the poor and exploiting those workers that they weren't paying hardly anything. And yes, in the book of James, we are given the difference between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom, evil wisdom. But perhaps the most important lesson in the book of James is the way that he calls us to prayer, because without prayer, the table will not stand. We are never finished learning about prayer. Another seminary professor of mine, Dr. Cecil Sherman, you've heard me quote him before, one of my favorite professors, he says, no one knows all there is about prayer. All of us are reaching 
searching to know more and to pray better. I want to have a fruitful prayer life. I want my life to yield fruit through prayer. So here are um, a few words of wisdom, some nuggets that we find about a faithful prayer life in the book of James. If you look at verse 13 and 14, you, you see first that we need to pray. We need to pray. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them pray. So if you are in trouble, James says, pray about it. If you're happy, sing songs of prayer. Sing songs of praise. That word uh, to sing here in the Greek New Testament comes from an old word that originally was used for the uh, grinding of the, uh, of the wheat to separate the, the wheat from the chaff. And it, was, it later became a word that referred to the thumping of the strings on an instrument like a harp. Or you might think of a banjo or a bass guitar, as we were hearing Jason earlier this morning. Uh, sing prayer, pray, songs of praise if you're happy. But if you're in trouble, pray as well. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. We need to pray. We bring our situations and circumstances to God in prayer. Back in 2011, while I was serving at my former church, I had, well, it was actually in 2009, I had these nodules develop in my throat. I thought, it, I thought that I had swollen lymph, you know, like swollen glands, you know, like when you have a sore throat. So I went to the patient first, and the patient first um, practitioner uh, evaluated me and said, you know, I don't think that's uh, swollen glands. I think that's your thyroid, the way that where you're pressing. And so they did some blood work right then and said, yes, you need to see an endocrinologist. An endocrine what? I was in great health, never had any problems, but my mom and dad both had thyroid issues. So I go to the endocrinologist and they uh, found a goiter on the left side of my thyroid that was large, and um, I think they called them nodules on the right. And the thyroid looks like a butterfly, it's right here on your throat. So they watched me for a while, and in a year, uh, the goiter doubled in size. It's like a tumor. And then over here on this side, nodules continued to grow. And they said, you need to have this removed. I had never had even, I, I don't know that I had ever had an IV. I, I, I had never had any kind of medical procedure, and I was very afraid. And so uh, in the midst of all of this, I called our deacons, which are the equivalency of, or similar to elders in some other churches, but they were the spiritual leaders of, of my former congregation, as they are here. And I shared the situation and said, I, I have to have surgery, and they're going to be cutting very close to my vocal cords. That uh, thyroid gland is right there. And I, I just, I, I'm really scared about this because there are some risks with it. And um, one night the uh, deacons came to meet with me at the church and they laid hands on me and uh, anointed me with oil and prayed for me. And then I'll never forget, right before I was going in to have the surgery, they took the thyroid out. 
And uh, right before I was getting ready to have surgery, one of our retired pastors from our Baptist Association, the Dover Baptist Association, Bob Boggs, he's deceased now, he came into the prep room where I was getting the medications. And the last thing I remember from him was him praying over me, laying hands on me and praying for me. And then the next thing I know, I'm in recovery waking up, right? You've, if you've had surgery, you know what that's like. But I had a problem. I, I was anxious. I was very nervous. I was scared. And the, thing, the only thing that I knew to do was to call on the leaders in our church to pray for me. We bring our needs to the Lord in prayer. Maybe it's an illness for you. Maybe it's family issues and there's division in the family. Maybe your marriage is really in trouble. Maybe your financial situation is just destitute. Uh, there may be matters of life and death in your situation or in your circle of friends. Maybe you struggle with anxiety and depression like my dad does. Maybe there are some important life decisions that you're making. Um, maybe it's a spiritual issue that you're really struggling with surrendering your life to the Lord. Maybe there are some sins in your past that you've never confessed to God. We don't need to know all that stuff, but God does. And, and, and that's a matter of prayer. Or seeking forgiveness or to forgive someone else. All of these things, we need to pray. We've got to take them to the Lord in prayer. Our circumstances compel us to pray. I believe that's what James is saying. The second nugget of wisdom is that prayer is an essential ministry of our church. You've already heard me talk about my experience in my former congregation. I have also experienced the same kind of prayer gathering here in this church. There are some in this church through our deacon prayer team and others who have the gift of prayer who will respond at the moment and come and lay hands on people and bring the anointing when prayer is, when a person requests it. There have been some very tender moments sitting right there in my study with people gathered around this person who has come to ask for prayer. Our prayer team is led by Craig Lott. Craig, would you raise your hand? You happen to be here this morning. Raise your hand so we can see you. Uh, Craig Lott is our deacon prayer team leader. And there are others of you who are on that team who take prayer very seriously. They pray for our staff. They pray for our congregation and lead us into an intentional prayer ministry. I'm very pleased to serve a church that takes prayer seriously. Are we where we need to be? No. But are we doing some wonderful things? Are we heading in a, a, a right direction? Yes. And I'm very thankful for that. Churches must pray. It's easy for us to do things because we think we can do them. Because we're smart, intelligent, and we have nice buildings and we have uh, significant resources. And the temptation for us with all that we have and all of our intelligence and all the wisdom and all the resources is just to do what we want to do because we know we can. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark in the ninth chapter, right after the transfiguration. Jesus is up on the mountain. Uh, the other uh, nine disciples, um, he has some of his key disciples up with him. The other disciples are down doing ministry. 
and there's a dad that appeals to the other disciples. He brings his son who has uh, been, what he believed, uh, possessed by a demon with uh, violent uh, medical kind of symptoms. Some say it might have been like epileptic symptoms. And nobody could ever uh, heal his boy. And he brought them to the disciples, and the disciples are trying to do everything they could do because Jesus told them to go and bring healing and cure the sick and cast out demons, right? But it didn't work. And Jesus comes down, and there's arguing, and this father says, I brought my boy to these who you said could, you know, I've heard that you said that they could do the same things you could do, and nothing's working. And Jesus comes and has a dialogue with the dad, and the dad says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe you, but help me with my doubts, like we probably have all experienced. And then in a, after the, Jesus heals the son, and then afterwards, the disciples are with Jesus in a small room, and they said, Jesus, nobody else is looking. Why, why couldn't we heal that boy? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer. He's saying, you guys tried everything else, but you didn't pray about it. And you didn't truly lift the situation to God. You tried to do it on your own power. And see, as a church, when we aim to do whatever we seek to do on our own because of our own intelligence or smart or resources or our energy and all of these things, we will fail because, doc, as you heard me say from Dr. Henson, uh, the table of the Christian life will not stand under the weight of the pressures that we face, the burdens that we carry, if that leg of prayer isn't there. We often pray a prayer of commissioning, as you've seen some of the photos here, when we send a team or when we have volunteers doing something like the Vacation Bible School or the clinic, we rally around and we commission in prayer and lay hands on people. We intercede on behalf of people who make requests. We, we bring our petitions on their behalf. We put out prayer guides strategically at certain times of the year to help people be encouraged in their prayer lives. We've done some things uh, to help people pray through the scriptures, which is called Lectio Divina. Simply taking the Bible as the book of Psalms, for example, and praying through that and making it your own. In our discipleship processes, we intentionally teach people that prayer is the foundation of all that we do. Miss Amanda, as you understand in her uh, recent, Amanda, what do you call it, the, the lessons that you're doing right now? Worship learning. And Miss um, Amanda is involved in teaching our young children right now in the discipleship process in worship learning. And the most recent lesson was in prayer. It's important that we teach our children to pray even from a very, very young age. And then we all know the importance of the Lord's Prayer. prayer praying that the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One writer, David Fitch, who wrote a book called Seven Practices for the Church on Mission, writes, prayer is the profound act of giving up control of a situation and turning it over to the reign of God. Powerful quote. And then the third nugget of prayer that we glean from the book of James in this fifth chapter is that prayer moves mountains and changes our hearts too. Listen to 
verses 15 and 16. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. See, in this time, in the Old Testament days, the, uh, the church was seen, or the, the Jewish faith, and obviously temple, synagogue, and synagogue in the early part of the time of Jesus, this is where people came for healing, physical and spiritual. You didn't go to the doctor, you came to your rabbi. And so prayer and faith and healing were all interwoven. You couldn't separate them. So that's, this is context here. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. It was also a thought that when people sinned, that it could cause negative situations to their health. And sometimes their behavior would yield to uh, damaging situations. We, we know that today. Sometimes our choices cause us to have health problems. And so it, it was important not only for people to seek out prayer, but also to confess their sins to God and to one another because overall uh, healing uh, sometimes happens in, in ways that are beyond the physical, but, but rather the spiritual. I believe prayer moves mountains. I believe that's what, is if, if you come, if, if you are in need of prayer, come and let the elders of the church uh, pray over you and anoint you with oil. And it is a power in prayer in that way. Uh, we, we just have to ask for it. We need to seek that kind of prayer. There's a story that I read of a little boy playing in his sandbox out in the backyard. And uh, the dad was watching his son through the kitchen window. He's in there doing some of the work at the sink and looking out watching his boy. And as you can imagine, the sandbox had wooden border around it to contain all the sand. And he had his trucks and cars and his pail and his big red plastic shovel. And he was having a great time making tunnels and hills and roads for all his cars and trucks and things. And then as he was digging, he came across a large rock right in the middle of the sandbox. And the dad's watching, and the, uh, the boy is trying to move the rock, and he can't. And finally, he gets on his bottom, and you know how kids do. He got on his bottom, and then he got his shoes and pressed them against the rock. This is a little boy in a pretty big rock, and he's shoving the rock with his shoes. He's inching himself toward the wall, and then the rock hits up against the wall of the sandbox. And then he tried to shove it up over the wall, and it wouldn't budge. He couldn't get it over the top. And then, in so doing, the rock fell back down on one of his hands and pinched his fingers. And he let out a squeal and started crying. And there is this boy sitting at the edge of the sandbox, now hurt because the rock has fallen on his fingers. The dad had been seeing all of this. And then a shadow comes upon the sandbox and covers over his son and it's the dad and he's saying son you didn't use all the strength that you had to move the rock out of the sandbox yes I did dad yes I did 
He said, no, he said, son, you didn't. He said, you didn't ask me. You didn't ask me to help. So often we have mountains that we're trying to move, boulders in our sandbox of life that we're trying to push over the wall. And we do everything we can do, but we don't ask God for help. What are the boulders in your life? What are the mountains that need to be moved? What are the troubles that just break your heart? What are the things that cause you to feel utterly helpless? James is saying, take him to the Lord in prayer. Jesus said, ask and you, ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks knocks, uh, finds, everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Sometimes we just need to ask and there the rock will be removed. Sometimes we need to seek, which means uh, we, we must persevere in prayer. And then there are other times where we need to bang on the door of the heart of God as we pray for whatever that situation is. Mother Teresa has a prayer that goes like this. May God break my heart so completely that the whole world falls in. May God break my heart so completely that the whole world falls in. James reminds us that when troubles come, we should pray. We should ask the church to pray with us and for us. And all the while, may we remember that the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer changes things. And often prayer changes you and it changes me. Let us pray together. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much that we have the gift of communicating to you, God, the creator of the entire universe, of billions and billions of galaxies, that you listen to each of us and love each of us as if there were no other, and listen to us and love each one of us as we are all just the same. Lord, there are so many times when we face the troubles of this world, the things that give us heartburn and indigestion when we see them and hear them, and we try to fix them ourselves, and we don't remember to take them to you in prayer. Lord, would you just open our hearts today to the importance of prayer, the efficacy or the effectiveness of prayer, and the importance of churches to be in prayer as we do the work of the kingdom, praying that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.